Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here. Well, listen, I, I just want to mention to you, and I'm not going to take time to make a lot of announcements this morning, but I just want you to know that as we're starting to get back into our routines, that more and more stuff is going to be happening. And so if you have not signed up for the text bulletin, you need to do that. And uh, I'm not sure what the number is. We can get the information to you. But all you have to do is text the number uh, Spirit Life and uh, Spirit Life Space BLTN. And every Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, you'll get all of the information, of all the information and the activities that are going on. You need to do that because there's a lot going on. How many of you like my shirt today? All right. These shirts are in production. Uh, Paul, stand up and turn around and let them see you too. We got two colors. We got dark and we got light. Somebody asked me what color that was, and I said light. That's all I know. Yeah, turn around, Paul, let them see you. That's the light one. I've got the dark one on. And you also have that little circle on the back says Spirit Life Church. We're giving one of these shirts to everyone who has made any kind of contribution at all to our project in New Zealand, in Amaru, New Zealand. Be praying for them, by the way. This week, New Zealand suffered an eight and a half magnitude earthquake on the Richter scale. Everybody's okay from what I understand, but that just goes to show you the kind of challenges that they have in New Zealand and they're still doing ministry in the midst of the earthquake. And this shirt simply says, I'm stronger than an earthquake. Amen? We are. We're almost to $11,000 on our $18,000 pledge. And so thank you for giving. Uh, we have until the end of August to finalize this. Those of you who feel like you'd like to write some more checks, just knock yourself out. It'd be all right if we get done before August, but thank you so much for your help. I also want to mention to you today and give you an opportunity to assist with something that has come up this week. As many of you know, we've had ravaging floods in eastern Kentucky, and nine of our Church of God congregations in eastern Kentucky have been flooded to the point uh, that they have not been able to have worship services and things of that nature. Some of the pictures uh, that I've seen from the administrative bishop has water four feet high uh, in, in their churches, and just many of them have been de devastated. So he has asked every Church of God congregation in the state of Kentucky to receive an emergency flood offering today. Uh, for those who are in, in eastern Kentucky to assist them during this time. Some of them have insurance. Some of them are unable to get insurance because of where they're located. So you can't get flood insurance in some areas. But they all need our assistance. Even the ones that have insurance have high deductibles that they will have to meet before the insurance can pay. And so we are one of over 200 Church of God congregations in Kentucky, and it's amazing what we can all do uh, when we work together. So get your, get your checkbooks out, and if you'd like to give this morning, you can write a check real quick. Just make it out to Spirit Life Church, and under your memo, make sure you just put the word flood. Uh, or you can put Eastern Kentucky or whatever you want to do. If you want to give cash, shove it down in one of those envelopes and just wrote, write flood on it. If you want to get credit for your gift, you'll need to put your name so that we'll know who's giving. And I'm believing God's going to help us to join with many other congregations in the state of Kentucky. You can also give online. Although there's no, no uh, designation for the flood, you can just give an offering and in the description of that offering, just put flood and we will make sure that they get it. 100% of this offering today will go uh, to alleviate the difficulties that these nine churches are experiencing in eastern Kentucky. And for those of you who are online, you're wondering how you can participate. You can do it online or you can drop a gift by this week. We will wait until the end of the week uh, to process all the money that comes in. And then Erlene 
uh, we'll send it on in so that those who need it can be using it. I know that you always respond beautifully, and I know that you will now as well. So ushers, would you come and bring the baskets, and you can uh, start waiting on the people uh, and give you an opportunity to give. You can just put it in the baskets when they come by. If you forget or you need a little more time in writing your checks, you can uh, put them in the back at the end of the service. That will be perfectly fine. No problem whatsoever. Amen. Did you know that it's been uh, this, this past week, one year ago, it was reported that we had the first case of coronavirus in Kentucky. It's been a year. It's been a year that we've been fighting this battle. But I'm glad to be able to say today that the Lord has been on our side every step of the way. We have 26 people in our church who fought this, uh, this disease. 25 of them recovered. And one of them got to go home to be with Jesus and is today walking on streets of gold and enjoying the presence of the Lord. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. So they were all healed. They were all delivered. Twenty-five of them were delivered here on this earth, and the, the one received the greatest healing because they got to be in the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'd like to just take a moment and give the Lord a good applause and a thank you for his help and his assistance during this time. Amen. And you're going to notice and see over the next few weeks as people start trickling back in, already some are coming in. Uh, some of you each week, we're seeing new faces or faces that haven't been here in a long time. And uh, people are becoming more and more comfortable with being here in the house of the Lord. And I am, I am so glad to see you. So I want to challenge you now to look at your section and see who in your section has been missing. This side over here is doing a spectacular job. And so we had, I took a picture this morning because there were so many over here today. This one's a little wider, so you got a little more work to do. This one over here is typically senior saints, and so you might have to call up some of those senior saints. Not all of you. Calm down, ladies. It's okay. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. But let's fill these tan chairs up with people who are ready to worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me um, to 2 Chronicles and just leave it open there because we're going to look at three chapters today, chapters 14, 15, and 16. And I'm not going to read the entire uh, passages of Scripture because I would use all my time just using up the Scripture. But I'm going to take some of the primary examples out of each one of these chapters we're going to talk again today about revival. Now, next week, we will be finishing up this series on revival, being stronger than ever, and then we will be moving into the Easter season, if you can believe that. It's that time of the year, so we're excited about that. But today, I want to talk to you uh, about this thought today, we've been talking about recovery, and I want to suggest to you that recovery happens when God's power is increased in our lives. How many of you know that we have access to the power of God? God will give us as much power as we need to be overcomers in this life and to revive us. So today we're going to talk about three different ideas and three different concepts of this idea of having power in our lives. And first of all, we're going to look in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, and I want to read verses 10 through 15. And while we're reading this passage of Scripture, I want you to see that our first thought is, is we're talking about a route that took place 
when they called upon the Lord and he fought for them. So our idea today is, is that if we call upon the Lord, he will fight for you. Aren't you glad to know that this morning? 2 Chronicles 14, 10 through 15 says, So Asa marched out against him and lined up in battle formation in Zaveta Valley at Merishah. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, Lord, there is no one besides you to help the mighty and those without strength. So help us, O Lord God, our God, for we depend on you and in your name. We have come against this large army, Lord. You are our God. Do not let a mere mortal hinder you. So the Lord routed the Cushites. I'd underline that if I were you. The Lord routed the Cushites before Asa and before Judah, and the Cushites fled. Then Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar. The Cushites fell until they had no survivors, for they were crushed before the Lord and his army. And so the people of Judah carried off a great supply of loot. Then they attacked all the cities around Gerar because the terror of the Lord was upon them. They also plundered all the cities since there was a great deal of plunder in them. They also attacked the tents of the herdsmen and captured many sheep and many camels, and then they returned to Jerusalem. Now, around 900 B.C., there was a king that came against Asa. And the king was the king of Cush, which is now known as Ethiopia. They were powerful enough to defeat the kingdom that Asa was the king of. And they came against them, and they fought them, and they won. Now, imagine if you were a young king. Asa was about 30 years of age in this particular time in history. He did not have all of the military strength that he needed. He did not have all the fighting wisdom that was required. The only thing that this 30-year-old man knew to do was cry out to God and know that if he called upon the name of the Lord, that the Lord would fight for him. So Asa says, Lord, there's no one beside you. In other words, there's no one else who can help us. So, Lord, I'm asking you, help us because we depend upon you. And you know what happened? When Asa began to pray and say, God, we depend upon you, come to our aid, God did exactly that. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to do, you didn't know what to say, you didn't know how to proceed? The only thing that you knew that you could do was call out to God and believe that if we ask, that he will answer. That if we seek, that we would find. If we knock, the door would be opened unto us. And so we did that with all of our might, with every ounce of faith that we could muster up. We called upon the name of the Lord, and when we did that, the Lord heard, and the Lord answered our prayers. I want you, if you don't hear anything else today, know this. If you call upon the name of the Lord, he will not only answer you, but he will fight for you. Aren't you glad to know that today? <clears throat> Many years ago, I heard a preacher say, when you work, you get what you can do. But when you pray, you get what God can do. And God can do anything. I like that. We should work, absolutely. We should do everything that we can. But when we've done all that we can do, we will only get what we can produce with our hand. 
Oh, that when we call upon the name of the Lord, he will hear and he will answer and he will give us what he can do rather than what we can do. Well, what can he do? Well, he showed Asa that he can rout a million-man army. That's what Asa was up against. We know from Scripture that he can supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We know that he can supply our financial needs. We know that he can supply our physical needs because he is a healer. He can give you a job in the midst of a pandemic. He can give you a friend when you are lonely. He can encourage you when you are discouraged and depressed. He can keep you from falling when it seems as though you're on your way down. He can lead you not into temptation, but into a place of victory over every sin and temptation that you can face. I'm telling you today, God can do all things and will for those who are dependent upon him. Now, I wanted you to notice in verse 13, something interesting happens. When the Lord fights for you, it will inspire you to fight with him. You know, there are times in life when we just don't have the strength. We don't have the courage. We don't have the energy. There are times that we just sit down in our faith, so to speak, and we say, if God doesn't come through on my behalf, then I'm just gone. I have nothing to give here. I have no wisdom in this situation. I don't know what to do. And we call upon the name of the Lord, and the Lord fights on our behalf. And in that moment, when God starts fighting for us, something happens inside of us, and we start saying, well, if God's going to fight for me, I'm going to get up and fight with him. I'm not going to go down without putting some energy into this fight. You see, God doesn't want to just do everything for us. He wants to encourage us and strengthen us so that we can learn how to fight spiritual battles on our own. He won't leave us. He's not going to forsake us. But listen, there are times we need to pick up the sword and the shield and fight for ourselves. It's not because God's not there, but it's because God is teaching us a lesson. And he wants us to know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. I think sometimes we think that we have to suffer a little bit before we can start fighting. Or we have to get discouraged a bit before. No, every day that we get up, we can say this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice in being glad in it. This day is a day of victory for me. I will overcome. I will expect the best because I know that God is fighting for me. And I will fight with him. Do you remember what happened when David went after Goliath? It was always interesting to me because the Israeli army was there. They were arrayed for battle. They had their swords and they had their shields, but they weren't in a fighting mood. They weren't in a fighting mood because they were afraid of loudmouth Goliath who kept hurling insults at them. All they wanted to do, Israel, was just sit around and eat cheese. He said, how do you know that? Because that's the reason David was there. His daddy had sent him to take cheese so that they could have an afternoon snack. For some of us, we'd make good Israelis back in those days. Man, if you're passing out some cheese and and some drinks and things like that, sign me up for that. But that's not the reason they were there. God didn't take them there to that situation to eat cheese and to have a good day. They were there to fight against the Philistines, uh, but there was no spiritual energy in the group until a little guy named David came. David said, what in the world's going on here? He said, well, Goliath is shooting his mouth off. He's saying he's going to beat us and defeat us, and we don't have anybody here who can fight. And you know the story. I won't go through all of it. But David just simply said, I'll fight. I don't need your sword and I don't need your shield and I don't need your army. I'm going to go out in the name of the Lord God of Israel and fight this dude. And the Bible says he ran into the battle. 
He didn't hopscotch. He didn't just dance down the road and say, I'm going to kill me a giant today. No, he said, no, this is serious business here. We have an enemy that has come against the people of God, and I will not stand idly by and let him have this victory when I know the power of God is in me and capable of taking him out. Goliath laughed at him. I can't believe they'd bring some little guy like you out here to fight me. And David just looked at him and he said, Man, you came with your sword and your shield, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, and this day I'm going to decapitate you and feed your carcass to the birds. That's exactly what happened. End of story? Not the end of the story. The cheese eaters... We're sitting up on the hillside and said, oh my goodness, did you see that? And little David fought and little David killed Goliath. You want some more cheese? No, that's not what happened at all. They pitched their cheese off to the side and picked up their sword and their shield and they said, if David can fight, then I can fight too. And off into the battle, the entire army went. David inspired the cheese eaters to become warriors in the anointing of God's spirit. I'm telling you, when God fights for you, He will inspire you to get up off of your duff and start fighting with him to win the battle. Secondly, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 15, and we're going to discover that when we seek the Lord, he will be found. When we seek the Lord... He will be found. Second Chronicles 15, 1 through 15 says, The Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded. So he went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, hear me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you will seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For many years, Israel's been without the true God, without a teaching priest, without instruction. But when they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, he was found by them. In those times, there was no peace for those who went about their daily activities because the residents of the land had many conflicts. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every possible distress. But as for you, be strong and don't give up, for your work has a reward. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and he removed the aberrant idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He renovated the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. And then he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin as well as all those from the tribes of Ephraim. Manasseh and Simeon who were residing among them for they had defected to him from Israel in great numbers when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They were gathered in Jerusalem in the third month of the 14th year of Asa's reign. At that time they sacrificed to the Lord 700 cattle, 7,000 sheep and goats from all the plunder that they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their ancestors with all their heart and with all their soul. Whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel would be put to death, young or old, man or woman. And so they took an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets, and with all of their heart, with ram's horns. 
all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn it with all of their mind. They had sought him with all their heart, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Chapter 14, Asa, because of God, was able to rout the Cushites. And now here, Azariah, the prophet that was sent by God, said to them, don't be afraid, because if you'll seek the Lord, he will be found. He has already delivered you once. He will continue to do so if you will seek him. Some of you might say, well, does the Lord abandon us if we don't seek him? I mean, that's what the Bible says. It said if you will seek him, he will be there, he will be found. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Let me explain to you what's going on there. We see we already have scripture that says that God made a commitment to his people that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So it almost seems like that Scripture is in conflict with other Scripture. But what you have to do in times like that is you have to use Scripture to interpret other Scripture. God is not a liar. And if God says, I won't leave you and I won't forsake you, then he means that. So what does it mean? It means this. God is always near to us. His principles are always available to us. And when we walk in the anointing and use the principles that God has given us, then he will always supply the resources that we need to overcome. He will not leave us. But it is possible for us to leave him. It is possible for us to abandon the things of the kingdom. It is possible for us to discontinue seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness before all other things. And when we do that, then God cannot release his blessings to us. Let me give you an example. When it comes to the tithe dollar, the Lord says in his word... Bring your tithe into the storehouse so that, so that they can be fed in my house. And he goes on to say, he says, test me, try me and see if I will not pour out a blessing upon you which you will not be able to contain. He said, I will do that. So you know what happens? When we take him at his word and we trust him and we apply that principle to our life, then he will always supply our need according to his riches and glory. In fact, he says, I'll pour out upon you blessing that you can't even contain. But what if I stop tithing? Or what if I don't choose to tithe? Then even though there is a principle of blessing that is in place, God's hands are tied and he cannot bless our finance Because we have abandoned the principle that he has established. And so when God says that through his prophet that if you abandon me, I will abandon you, what he's saying is, is that my principles are always available to you, but if you don't live according to those principles, then I cannot keep my covenant with you because you have abandoned my principles. So what I'm suggesting to you today is that we need, as the old-time preachers used to say, we need to get under the spout where the glory flows out. Wherever God is pouring out his blessings in compliance with his word, that's where I want to be. If God says he'll do it, I want to be right underneath it with my hands up and my mouth wide open because God will not abandon us if we will not abandon him. I want you to notice what he did. Asa started tearing down the idols. You see, while Judah was gone, foreigners moved in. They took over the houses. They took over the places of worship. And they removed the statues and everything that was part of the worship 
of the God of heaven. They removed it. They put their own idols in the house, houses of worship. And so when Judah returns and Asa returns, they come back expecting everything to be as it was before. They quickly discovered that when the vacuum occurred, that something came in from outside to move into that vacuum. What they left empty when they left, the enemy filled up with his own idols and his own spirit. Can I just stop just for a moment? I didn't intend to say this, but let me tell you the nature, the law of nature is that wherever a vacuum is, it will be filled with something else. And so if you stop doing the things of God and you abandon it and there's a vacuum that occurs there, then the enemy will come in like a flood and he will fill that vacuum. You may have started out when your kids were young teaching them about the ways of the kingdom. You may have started bringing them to Sunday school. You may have started bringing them to children's church. But then it got hard because your kids got to the age where they started saying things like this. Mommy and Daddy, I don't want to go to church today. I'd rather stay home and watch Cocoa Melon. I'd rather stay home and play video games. And we get so tired of hearing them complain and gripe that we say, all right, I'll take a Sunday and I'll stay home and we'll let you do that. And then one Sunday becomes two, and two becomes four, and four becomes eight. And all of a sudden, we wake up one day, and we realize that they're 18 years old, and they have no use for the kingdom of God. Oh, they can play soccer, and they can play baseball, and they're just good enough to enjoy it, but they're not good enough to go pro. And they find themselves at a place in their life now where they have not been equipped to fight the enemy of their soul because we gave in to them in a moment when they complained a little bit. We abandoned the principles of God that says to raise up a child, train them up in the way they should go so that when they are old they will not depart from it. We've abandoned it. Let me just tell you that God's word is true. And if you create that vacuum, either for your kids or in other areas of your life, <clears throat> the enemy will find that vacuum and he will fill it with something from the darkness and the kingdom of hell when what we need to be doing is what Asa did and tear down the idols and remove them and establish an atmosphere where God can reign. we got to do it. The Holy Spirit put this in my, my heart when I was writing my notes. The religious clutter of the day was hiding the glory of the Lord. Let me say that again. The religious clutter of the day was hiding the glory of the Lord. That's where we are in America today. There is a religious belief for anybody, anytime. It doesn't matter what you want to believe. There is a belief system that you can choose. But let me remind you, there's only one that will get you into heaven. There's only one Savior. There's only one Sovereign. His name is Jesus Christ. He's neither Republican or Democrat. He's neither American or African. He is a spirit that fills the earth with his glory. And his name is above all other names. And there is no other name given among men whereby men must be saved. He is the one who will fill the vacuum. I read this this week. It said that in April of 2020, which was almost a year ago, the number of Google searches for this question, is God real? Doubled 
all around the world. In April of 2020, twice the number of people got on their computer and asked, is God real? It doubled in the month of April. What am I saying? I'm telling you that people are weary. They are weary with COVID. They are weary with unemployment. They are weary with feeling like that God has abandoned us. They are weary with weak churches that don't know how to operate in the Spirit of God anymore. They are weary, weary, weary. You say, well, what should we do? This is our moment. This is our time to rise up in the Spirit of God. Let God be God. I'm reminded of a story in the Old Testament where the enemy came after David at Ziklag. And they took all the women and all the, the children and burned their houses and destroyed everything. And David fell on his face before the Lord and he wept, and the Bible says, until he had no more power to weep. But after he came through that, cleaned himself up, took a bath, brushed his teeth, shaved his face, combed his hair, and he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, shall I pursue them and will I overcome? And the Lord said, David, pursue them for you shall recover all. <laughs> and he called all of these warriors together and he said, I know you don't want to hear this, but the Lord said pursue. That means right now. Get your travel bags ready. We're going after that sorry lot right now in the name of the Lord God of Israel because he has made a promise to me that we shall recover everything. And they took off after the enemy. But when they got down to the river, the Bible tells us that there were 200 men that were so weary and so weak that they couldn't take another step. I don't know, church, there have been days that I felt like the ones with the sword and the shield ready to go fight. <laughs> I was like the one who was ready to get behind David and say, you just show me where the enemy is. You just point me in the right direction and I'm going to go I'm going to go get him in Jesus' name. I'm going to overcome. There have been many days I felt like that, but then there have been other days that I drug myself up to the river and I said, I'm sorry, David, but I don't have anything else to give. We may have people in this house today that that's where you are. And I don't judge you because I haven't walked in your shoes. I just know that it's, it's possible to be in either one of those places. So David said to them, you wait right here. I like what he said. He said, you stay by the stuff. Somebody's guard the stuff. That's your job. You can do that. You may not be able to take this journey of battle, but you can stay by the stuff. And the Bible tells us that they sat right there by the river and stayed by the stuff where David and the rest of the army went and defeated the army that had attacked them. And when they came back, the warrior said, we don't want them to have anything at all because they did not fight. And aren't you glad to have leadership that is wise enough to say, oh, no, you don't understand. If we hadn't have left them by the stuff, our stuff might be gone now. They might not have gone to the battlefield, uh, but they stayed by the stuff. And so if we're going to start dealing, dealing out what needs to be received, uh, they're going to get the same amount as those of you who went into battle with me. What am I trying to say? This is no time for us to compare our sacrifice with someone else's sacrifice and our anointing with someone else's anointing and our ability with someone else's ability. It's time for the body of Christ to rise up and say, now is the time for us to strike because the iron is hot. So what do we do? 
We follow the lead here. Now is the time to speak anointed words. Notice verses 1 and 2. It says, The Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded. So he went out to meet Asa, and he said. It's time for some of you to just start saying what God has said. It's time for you to get into your spirit. The Lord God Almighty said this. The Lord God Almighty promised this. So it doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. And it doesn't matter what the world says. Uh, The only thing that matters is what has God said. Uh, Thus saith the Lord. Time to let our ears have a little break from our complaining spirits. Time to let our ears hear faith coming out of our mouths instead of fear. Time to let our ears have a break. Some of you have been so negative and complained so much, not at me or at the church, but just in life in general, that your ears don't even know what faith sounds like anymore. Did you know that you can control your words? Did you know that you can control all that nonsense uh, that flows out of your mouth? uh, And you can say, Lord, purify my tongue. uh, Purify my mind. uh, Purify my heart uh, so that whatever comes out of my mouth will build faith. Not only in me, but in others. Speak anointed words. Rid yourself of evil influences. Notice verse 8. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and he removed the aberrant idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities he had captured. Let me just ask you, what kind of idols do you have in your life that needs to be removed? I remember growing up in the church that I grew up in, very traditional, very old line. You couldn't do diddly squat, not in the church where I attended. Girls couldn't wear pants. They had to wear culottes. I don't even know how to spell culottes. I'm just thankful that the boys didn't have to wear them. Women had to have their hair up on top of their head. If you like it that way, knock yourself out. I don't care. I'm just saying there are so many rules that we had to live by. But then something happened. And we started wanting to be more free and more liberal and more at liberty in the world. And I think it's possible that we went too far in some things. We have to ask ourselves, what is the world influencing me with? How much is CNN How much does it have my mind? How much does Fox News have my mind? How much does Newsmax have my mind? How much does TikTok have my mind? How much does Hulu have my mind? How much does Netflix have my mind? How much of the world is controlling my mind? Because it may be time to do some spring cleaning. It may be time to say, you know, I'm not sure if I should have to do this or not, but whether I have to or not, I want to do it because I want to be pure and holy and full of the power of God regardless of what the world says. Rid yourself of evil influences. Reestablish your priorities. Verses 14 and 15. They took an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting with trumpets and with ram's horns. And all of Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn it with their mind, and they had sought him with their whole heart, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. You know what my vision is for this church? You know, there's something for fellowship, and there's something about seeing our brothers and sisters in the Lord and benefiting from that and feeling good about that. But there's also something about the reality that when we come to this house, one of the most important things that we can do 
is to get into the presence of God. And we do that through prayer. We do that through worship. We through that do that by focusing our minds with Him. There's not a thing in the world about that wrong with going around this this building and saying, "Hi, hi Denise, how are you today? Hi, Donna, how are you today? Hey, Danny, how are you today? Kaylin, you doing all right? Joe, you okay? How about you, young blood family? You all right? Fist bump, fist bump, fist bump, dance, dance, dance." Nothing in the world wrong with that. But once you've greeted a few people, there also wouldn't be a thing in the world wrong with you coming up here to this altar and standing here for two or three minutes with your hands raised up and say, I have come in. I have entered in with praise on my mouth and on my lips. I have come to worship God. There wouldn't be a thing in the world wrong with when these singers start singing. If you stand up and you start clapping your hands and all of a sudden you find yourself making yourself down, way down to the front of the building to worship and praise Almighty God. There wouldn't be a thing in the world wrong with that. We've got to reestablish our priorities. And then we've got to reach out to others. I love verse 9. I love it, I love it, I love it. He gathered all of Judah and Benjamin as well as those from the tribes of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who were residing among them. Watch this. For they had defected to him from Israel in great numbers when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Do you know what that says? It says that the people saw who God was blessing and anointing and they left where they were so that they could get under the leadership of Asa now I don't I'm not much one for people changing churches there are seasons when God has us change churches but when that happens it will always be done decently in order if you decide one Sunday you're just going to go somewhere else, but you're not going to bother to tell the pastor, you're not going to bother to tell the leadership and sit down and explain what you're thinking and what your prayer is, that is not from God because it causes confusion. And the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. God wants us co- to commit to a body of, uh, that, that, that he has established. So this thing about jumping, jumping, jumping because it feels better over here and feels better over there. What if God wants to use you in this congregation? What if God wants you to start a ministry that will make a difference right here in this congregation? What if God wants to do a work through you right here in this moment right now that will be the breakthrough ministry that will take us to another level? But instead, it feels better somewhere else. That's not what was happening here. They were under wicked leaders. They were under leaders that were not following God. They were under leadership uh, that was was doing everything that they should have not been doing. And then they see God's hands upon Asa. And they said, we're going to get where God is pouring out his spirit. And what I'm trying to say to you is, is that if we'll come together and be the people of God, if we will walk in his anointing, if we will allow God's spirit to overflow us, not only will it bless us, but it will bless others around us. Their lives can be changed because of what God is doing in you. When God finds you and fills you with favor, it will influence others to seek him too. We say it again. When God finds you and fills you with favor, it will influence others to seek him too. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. This will be my last passage I'll share with you today. 2 Chronicles 16, verses 1 through 9. In the 36th year of Asa, Israel's king Basha went to war against Judah, and he built Ramah 
in order to keep anyone from leaving or coming to King Asa of Judah. So Asa brought out the silver and gold from the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace and sent it to a ram's king, Ben-Hadad, who lived in Damascus, saying, There's a treaty between me and you, between my father and your father. Look, I have sent you silver and gold. Go break your treaty with Israel's king, Basha, so that he will withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa, and sent the commanders of his armies to the cities of Israel. And they attacked Ejon, Dan, Abel-Mam, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. And when Basha heard it, he quit building Ramah and stopped his work. Then King Asa brought all of Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timbers Basha had built it with. And he built Geba and Mitzpah with them. That time, the seer Hanani came to King Asa of Judah and said to him, Listen now, because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from you. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a vast army with many chariots and horsemen, when you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. You have been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars from now on. I'm about to close, but I want to show you two mistakes that Asa made. He recovered from these mistakes, but these two mistakes put him in a position where he was not able to take full advantage to the blessings of God. First thing is, he relaxed. He was so used to being in victory that he just thought that victory would automatically come. He did not link victory with commitment. He did not link victory with discipline. He did not link overcoming with fighting in the spirit. He just thought it would come naturally. And so you know what he did? Instead of doing the hard work in the spirit, he paid another king to do his fighting for him. He didn't want to fight anymore. And so he went to another king and he said, look, we have a treaty. And I want you to keep your end of the bargain and I want you to fight this battle for me so I can stay home and eat cheese. Been a lot of cheese eating today, hasn't there? You know, sometimes that's the way we walk in the spirit. We just believe God's going to do whatever we want him to do, whether we pray or not. That's not the way it works. We just believe that our kids are going to grow up spiritual, but we don't have to teach them to be spiritual because God's a good God. But that isn't the way it works. We think we're going to marry this guy or that girl. It's okay if they're not saved. It's okay if they're not believers. It's all right. Because once we get saved... I'll save them if God doesn't. Well, let me just tell you right now, that may or may not happen. Wouldn't it be just much better if we agreed with and obeyed the principles of the kingdom of God? But Asa relaxed. The prophet said to him, when you depended on the Lord... He handed victory over to you. But when you stopped depending on the Lord, you created an environment where you would have to fight the battle yourself. And that's what it says. In verse 9, he says, You have been foolish in this matter, therefore you will have to fight wars from now on. 
Listen, let me just tell you that God wants to be God in your life. If we're going to have revival, if we're going to recover, we're going to have to do it God's way. It's true. And here's the good news. I want you to notice the last part of verse 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. I don't want to end the day on a sour note. I don't want to end with you thinking, well, Asa did bad. Yes, he made a foolish decision. But what I want you to remember is that God is searching. He's looking all over the earth to see who is wholeheartedly devoted to him. And when he finds you, he will fill you with his favor. And he will empower you to be an overcomer. How many of you want to be an overcomer? How many of you want to be victorious? How many of you want to be an influence in the world that you live in? God's looking for you. God wants to fill you. And he will fill you if you will seek his face. Will you stand with me this morning? Now listen very carefully to me this morning. We're going to be available to pray with you this morning. But just like we did a couple of weeks ago. If you need prayer today, if you need strength, if you need the Lord to touch you, maybe financially or emotionally, psychologically, physically, whatever it is, when they begin to sing here in just a moment, I want you to step out of your seat and come and stand up here six feet apart. Wear your mask, please. And today, I've invited our prayer team to come and help us pray. They're going to stand behind you, and they are going to pray with you. They might reach up and touch you on your back or on your shoulder, but we are not going to get up in your face. We're not going to get in front of you where we'll be face to face, but we're going to get close enough that you can know that someone is praying with you. The Bible says, if any two agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done of them of the Father which is in heaven. So in just a moment as they begin to sing this song, I requested this. I like this song. Because it says, he will fight for us. Now, I want us to worship. And if you need prayer today, I want you to come and let us pray with you this morning. And then at the conclusion, we will dismiss together. Are you ready to let God have his way? Amen. Go ahead, choir. Start singing. And if you need prayer today, come on.
this morning by praying for our unsaved loved ones. I want to see them give their lives to Jesus Christ, don't you? I know you do. And I want us to pray for them that God will do exactly that. Will you join me? Let's pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for every household that is represented in this house this morning. For those who are at home watching on live stream. I pray for those who are unsaved and are outside the kingdom. God. I pray that you would convict them by your spirit and bring them to a place of repentance in their lives. That they will realize that they need you in their lives now more than ever before. They need to be saved. Lord, I know your your word says that you're not willing that any should perish. So Lord, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, save our loved ones bring them into the kingdom of God. Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love you, church. I pray this will be the best week you've ever had in your life because of what Jesus does for you. God bless you. I'll see you later. Go with God.